Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly dialogue that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. That's T-H-E-D-I-S-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-T-E-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R.com. So welcome to Conversations, and today we are talking about the fabric of our reality. What that really means is that we all create our own reality. We go out into the world and we perceive events happening around us. The way that we interpret those events and make sense of them really depends on us as individuals. It's going to depend on our beliefs, our conditioning, our needs. And this topic, we started talking about Z because you shared a story like you often do. And you told me about a friend of yours, an old martial artist, who was reflecting on the long history that you've had together. And he said something like, wow, Z, we've known each other for so long. And it's just a privilege to see you blossom into such a healer and such a humanitarian. You've got this incredible knowledge of the body and the mind and the relationship between the two. And you've used that to serve people. And you've really come such a long way. And that makes me feel so good that you're doing this and so good that you're part of my life. And most people would hear this and they may feel touched. They may take this as a compliment, but not you. You started to get angry about this and started to reflect on it. And I want you to share that with the audience. What was the reason that you reacted to this negatively? Well, to share with you, Vin, it, it, it was a, it was a tepid anger. It wasn't uh, so much that I was, fuming, angry at it. It was more of somewhere between disappointment, frustration, and bewilderment. Is that I have been associated with this guy for some uh, 45 years. And I've been doing pretty much the same thing for 45 years. I started uh, my martial arts as a, a very young person, a child. I've always uh, been interested in, in holistic, healthy living, uh, traditional Eastern medicine, Eastern philosophy. Even to the point where as a child I was often marginalized or mocked for my kind of weird interests. I was well known for that. As I matured, I was able to put those interests to use and more focused. And everyone watched me do that. And if you knew me when I was 10, you pretty much knew me when I, what I'd be doing at 20. If you knew that, you'd know what I'd be doing at 40. If you knew that, you'd pretty much see how the 60s so I was speaking to him about his health. And what has changed is I am no longer a advocate or proselytizer of any particular health styling, wellness styling. And there used to be a time whenever I would encounter an acquaintance or a friend who was in that uh, circle of 
my, my social circle. I would immediately download the latest information, uh, health concerns, well-being practices that I would feel were, were, were necessary for that person to the point where I was almost proselytizing or blindly speaking to people who may not have been that interested only because I was passionate about it. So as I matured, I, I stopped doing that. I no longer spoke or advocated to people that way. So he's been around a long time, a lot of weight issues, health issues. And I would talk to him, provide resources for him, and wasn't that interested in it. Well, fast forward 10, 15, 20 years later, we're talking about the same subject. Now he's listening and taking notes. Then he was even asking questions. Or he would never ask questions. He asked a question. I'm really concerned. I'm about to lose my hip, my ankle, my knee. I'm having other health issues. Um, what are things that I can do to better my situation? And so I walked him first, as I always do, through the gross applications he can do right now that will kind of arrest or remedy a situation. Then I slowly got into all the, the neurophysiology and the psychological implications of being unhealthy and what you can do about that. And we then just talked about people we knew and how so-and-so doing. It was at the end of the conversation, I said, okay, I'll get back with you if you want. And after that, he sent me that text about, wow, what a person I have changed and grown. I said, wow, that's, that's weird. And, I, and I, I realized that in his mind, I was a certain person to him, no matter what I said, no matter what I did. His reality were snippets of our time together. As I start to think about it, and even as I spoke to you about it, I realized that him, like many others, myself, like many others, we have snippets of people. It's like an edited film of the people in our lives. And we take those edited pieces, we splice them together, and we create a reality that's often very disjointed from the gross reality, total picture. So we create a picture that fits our narrative. We weave together a story. And in that weaving together, in those threads that we make, we create a fabric, a tapestry, we could say, like a grandmother's quilt. That is a, then we call that reality. And each of those threads are fragments of what we actually don't know about the people in our lives. But because of the way we've woven the story together, it blankets us in the falsehood that we then call reality. When you bring it to light like this, I understand your frustration because you're the same guy. You're the same guy for 50 years. Back in the day, 
He thought of you as someone who was wild and crazy and unpredictable and completely ignored this other aspect of you, which is your interest in well-being and your desire to use that knowledge to help other people. And you fast forward to today, he's actually making that same mistake in reverse. I know you. I know you're still wild and you're still crazy. And there are aspects of you which are, <laughs> frankly, very unsettling. But that's who you are. That's what we love about you. And you've got that. You've also got the healing aspect, which you've always done. And today, he's ignoring the wild aspects, and he's focusing on the healing side. So he's doing the same thing. You haven't changed. But his picture of you has flipped. He's gone from focusing on one aspect of you to ignoring that aspect and focusing on the other aspect. And if I had to guess, it's because he needed you to play a certain role at a certain point in time. So back in the day, maybe he liked the idea that he had this crazy friend who was always entertaining. He didn't want to be around someone who was pontificating about wellness and herbs and diet. So he brushed that part aside. And then today, he's a bit older. Maybe he's thinking about his legacy. Maybe he's thinking about what his life means. You're in his peer group. Maybe he thinks of himself as someone who's blossomed, who's now giving back. And the fact that you're doing that, if that's his reality, that adds weight to his life. It's more evidence that he's doing the same thing, that now he's more mature as an individual. It's not just him. It's the two of you who've gone through this process together. So as we talk about this, in some ways it's a very complicated process. Because, number one, you have to create this narrative in your mind. You're constantly updating the narrative based on your circumstances. You're actively ignoring information presented to you to make sure that the narrative still holds. There must be some reason we're doing this, that we're spending the energy to create this story and weave this tapestry. What's the reason that we do this? I, I would imagine one of the reasons, and based on research on human behavior, uh, research on brain architecture, research on evolution, uh, social development, social anthropology, is that human beings tend to like simple stories. And those simple stories allow us much more of a false sense of control of our environment than the complex story. The simple story is, I know this person, this way. That's the simple story. It's very comforting. He's this way. Now, move on to the next thing. Oh, this is how it works. No. You've always heard that term, well, that's just the way things are. And you've always known the child that says, why? That area child, that seeker of knowledge, so to say, the term area, seeker of knowledge. So say, actually, why? And children will do that to a point of irritating the caregiver. Why is it this way? Why? Well, it's that way because that's the way we've woven our reality. And someone else has woven a different reality, which is not our reality. So we love the simplicity because though people are not that interesting, and so we are a bit more 
complex. Maybe complex isn't the right word, then I would say we're probably, there are more parts to the story of any individual. None of us could say with full certainty anything of absolute about anyone in our life. Pick the closest person to you. Using, let's say, a, a Kela Yantra, a time reference. You spend how much time with that person in a day? When we were children, we had friends. I have a few buddies that are childhood buddies. And we would spend most of our non-school time together. Overnight things, playing with each other, getting into misadventures as children. And you start to learn the character of a person. And as you grow into adulthood, they have separate experiences from you, yet there are parts of the essence of that person that you hold too dearly. And some of those things are still part of their character. But there are other things that are also a part of their character they've acquired in the minutes, the days, the hours that you were not with them. Thus, we should always say, to the best of my knowledge, this is what I know about a person. Not speaking that I actually know you, no. Because the minute that you have a minute away, their life is continuing on in another dimension, another spectrum of existence that doesn't include you. So we know very little about the people we know, and we should really accept what we do know, but keep the, that portal of understanding open that there's parts of people we don't know. The human brain, the human being, we like simplicity. So we will try to simplify everything. The simple narrative. The simple solution. Isn't it obvious? Don't you agree? It's the right thing to do. And you can say, is it? Is it the best solution? Is it the right thing to do? And once you begin to do that, you see that that fabric of reality begins to unravel. It becomes untangled. And then you can start to refine it, reweave it, realign the numerous strands that create your reality. And in that openness, you begin to develop new understanding. Not just that new information is available to you, but the boundaries created by the old standards go away. The fence comes down. So, ah, I found an exercise in using that technique of unraveling that allows me to be more tolerant of people. It allows for more intimacy. It allows for much more harmonious relationships. You can accept people for where they're at, not where you want them to be, or how whatever you frame them as being. It also helps you let go of the notion that you can change the unchanging. 
If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week. Peace.